0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton.
1: From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this
0: is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney.
2: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111, Business Radio powered by the Wharton School. Facebook founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg has spent the last couple of days testifying on Capitol Hill before various committees and meeting with senators and representatives about what occurred between his company and Cambridge Analytica. He has also spoken about the social media industry in general and the needs for its future. To discuss his testimony and where social media is headed, we are joined here in studio by Lyle Unger, who is a professor of computer and information science here at the University of Pennsylvania, and also joining us on the phone is Jennifer. Jennifer Goldbeck, who is director of the Social Intelligence Lab at the University of Maryland, where she is also a professor of information studies. Lyle, nice meeting you. Thank you for coming in. Great to be here. Thank you. Jennifer, as always, great to talk to you. Glad to be back. Thank you. I'll start with you. What was your reaction to the testimony we
1: heard from Mr. Zuckerberg over the last couple of days? I think he did a great job of not saying anything embarrassing. I think he was a lot of apologies, a lot of I'll get back to you on that, and really very good damage control. Jennifer, what was your reaction?
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, There was nothing really surprising in there. Um, I'm also not super surprised by the questions that he faced, but he didn't give a ton of information, which is probably exactly how they wanted it to come off.
2: Well, there was one interesting uh, uh, piece that we pulled uh, for you to listen to. There was an interesting back and forth between a senator of Cal- California and Mr. Zuckerberg. And the answer at the end, I think, maybe did m- is one of those instances where maybe he wasn't in the best light. Uh, and was your that-
0: data included in the data sold to the malicious third parties? Your personal data? Yes, it was. Are you willing to change your business model in the interest of protecting individual privacy? Congresswoman, we are, have made and are continuing to make changes to reduce the amount of no, data. Are you that... willing to change your business model in the interest of protecting individual privacy? Congresswoman, I'm not sure what that means.
2: So uh, you hear those comments. And again, he didn't really say anything negative. But again, he didn't really, uh, to a degree, address the question either.
1: He can't address the question. Okay. The fundamental business model, Senator, we sell ads, as he said, when asked where the how they make money. They sell ads. They need to know about people. They need to collect things. Their business model is advertising. He, has, he can tweak the privacy settings, and he uh-huh. will. He can tweak what you can collect or resell, but he can't change the fundamental business model being advertising-based. So that's an impossible question for him.
2: So what does that mean then, Jennifer, in your mind, for how Mark Zuckerberg and some of the changes he potentially needs to make with Facebook moving forward.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, I think it will be a while before we would see any really dramatic legislation that would force big changes in how Facebook deals with things. Um, they, You know, I think the first step that we're going to see is that they're just going to have to be more transparent about what they have. Um, and we're starting to see, you know, some stories about that with people downloading their archives, The uh, new European data privacy law, the GDPR, which is kind of popping up in the news, that's also going to force them to be more transparent about this. And I think as we start seeing more and more about what they have, we're going to get more recognition from, you know, legislators and also the general public about, like, gosh, they really have a lot. What are the ways that we can sort of constrain that? I agree that they aren't going to be able to change their business model, you know, anytime in In the coming years, it would take a long time to make that shift, but it may be that they, you know, aren't making the kind of profits. They aren't able to do the kind of super targeted, super personal advertising, which, you know, frankly, I would be super happy with. I would like to have it a little more private. Um, So I think it's going to be an evolutionary process towards a little more privacy.
1: Wow. I think very much the European lead is going to force lots of changes for a little more transparency. The other piece, I think, is there's been a big shift in terms of allowing government agencies to go after child pornography in terms of letting at least a little bit more regulation happen of how is this data used, who could get access to it.
2: And that was one of the things that that Zuckerberg did say in his testimony, that he did expect it that there needs to be some level of regulation on this industry. And that has been, a, Jennifer, from what we've talked about, but Lyle, I mean, that's been a back and forth question of where that line actually is, what needs to occur with companies like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram moving forward
1: where that regulation line falls. That's the question. The shifts, I think, are going to be quite small, but they're going to move toward more transparency, more ability to withdraw your information. You still can't delete everything from Facebook. You delete your friends that you're unfriended. Facebook still knows who used to be your friends. Yeah. Hard for you to go back in and micro control what they know about you. Jen?
0: Yeah, I agree. I would love to eventually see those kinds of capabilities show up, right? And Especially, you know, delete all this stuff that you took from my phone that I didn't know that you had. Uh, delete these videos that I didn't know you had. I would love to see that kind of control come in there. But I think, you know, towards your original question about the regulation that's coming, uh, you know, I, I think it's exactly right. We're going to see slow moves towards more transparency. But the in the really big picture, the line that we've heard coming out of Silicon Valley, not just from Facebook, has been, that privacy regulation inhibits innovation, right? We can't be an innovative company if we have these burdensome regulations. And I hope the moment we're in now is one where we're seeing without those regulations, what we have innovated is some really terrible stuff, like some really evil things have gone down without that regulation. And so let's introduce that. Let's regulate it to give people back some of the control that they very broadly want and, uh, and be innovative within that context, which I am confident these smart people can do.
2: Well, to our great listeners out here, here's your opportunity to give us your thoughts. 844 Wharton is the number to give us a call 844 942 7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter and we can bring it up on the show in that manner at Biz Radio 111, B I Z Radio 111. Or you can use my Twitter account, which is at Dan Loney 21. Again, join in with your thoughts on Facebook, the commentary of Mark Zuckerberg, and where potentially you think that Facebook and other social media outlets may be headed. 844-942-7866, or on Twitter, at BizRadio111, or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. One of the other interesting back and forth, Lyle, and it, it, this is more of the, the political side of, of this story, was the back and forth between Mark Zuckerberg and Senator Ted Cruz, and he came flat out and asked whether or not there is a problem with political bias involving Facebook. And seemingly, that's a question that has become part
1: of this narrative back and forth we've seen in our country over the last several months. In my opinion, the problem is less bias and more transparency. If I show an ad on national television and it offends someone, they will see it. Campaign funds will follow. Things will happen. If I show an ad on Facebook or on YouTube that's micro-targeted, very hard to tell who's showing things. I'm told by colleagues here at Annenberg that there are a number of very offensive ads that are micro-targeted. Yeah. And it's hard to regulate them. I think the obvious regulation there is if you're doing political advertising on Facebook or YouTube or any of these social media, there should be much more transparency. What are the ads being shown? How many people are being shown to who? What's the targeting criteria? So we have lots of regulations of radio advertisements and TV advertisements right. for politicians. Why are we not advertising, You controlling YouTube and Facebook? Jen? Chen?
0: Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And it's interesting that Ted Cruz was asking these questions about bias because yeah. Ted Cruz also used Cambridge Analytica. I mean, during the primaries, I wrote an article about Ted Cruz using Cambridge Analytica, and that is not the focus now, obviously, because it was used in the general election. Um, but it's very clever of him to focus in his questioning on you know this question of bias, which is of course a, a favorite of a lot of people, as you know, to kind of distance any questions that might come about. The fact that he actually was part of the service that was doing, you know, these things, people are really upset about.
2: What do you think the reaction would be of, of other uh, social media companies, Jen, to the testimony of of Mark Zuckerberg and specifically the, the the answer that he gave to regulation? What do you think is being said with some of these other companies right now?
0: I, I think they would generally, you know, be pleased with the way he presented things. Uh, it's really obvious that. Some regulation is coming. There has just been one thing after another really since the election and just before the election uh, that people have been really upset about, whether it's privacy issues, whether it's fake news, Russian bots, hyper-targeted ads, all of this stuff people are getting really upset about. And we've come to this conclusion that, well, we have really let The whole space of social media, and I'm kind of lumping in there Google and YouTube, you know, all of these digital spaces um, have gone unregulated and haven't faced the same rules that all other media companies have, and they're very clearly doing media now. So I think the writing was on the wall that this regulation is coming one way or another, so we may as well embrace what's coming and try to make it look as much like we want it to from their perspective. Uh, and, you know, I think Mark Zuckerberg did a good job of that. So I would be surprised if anyone was really outraged at what he did.
1: Wow. I fully agree. I think Facebook's been trying hard to argue they're not a media company. Yeah. They claim we're a technology company because we hire lots of software engineers. That's sort of like saying I'm not a newspaper media company because I hire people to do print layout. Right. Yeah. It's ridiculous. They are a media company. I think that they're much more sensitive to these regulations because Google does not use as much information about friends. It's a little bit different if you know what I'm buying versus, you know, whether my friends are gay or straight or young or old. Yeah. But I think all of them are realizing that they need to have at least some regulation to do damage control.
2: But going back to the privacy question for a second, Lyle, I mean, you're talking about
1: increasing
2: whatever that level of privacy is, the settings, whatever it may be, and you and- for the most part, that has been left in the hands of the consumer, of the person using it. And I think some people would agree that doing that, consumers will gloss over things. They won't necessarily cross all the T's and dot all the I's to make sure that absolutely all of the settings are perfect. That is another issue that really Facebook, I don't know
1: how they can, they can deal with that. I think it's a problem. they are easy regulations, for example, in Europe you should not be able to consent for me to have my information shared. Yeah, and the biggest problem with Cambridge Analytica was not the 270,000 people whose data was stolen and illegal sold. It was their many, many friends who never consented to share their data. Under modern European law, this would never, and under current Facebook policy, even this would never have happened. So at least some simple things like if you're downloading someone else's contact list what are you doing with all those phone numbers of other people? Yeah. So there's a simple privacy pieces that could be improved in the U.S. Is there a possibility that th- these
2: new regulations that are going to go in play uh, in Europe, uh, is it possible
1: that a version of something like that we could see here in the United States? I think so. It's politically harder to sell it here. Europeans right. are much more interested in privacy. But it's going to be very hard for companies like Facebook and Google and Amazon to say, well, that's impossible when they're already doing it in Europe. Jen.
0: Yeah, I agree. I don't know that we're going to actually get those regulations in place here, but we may see – Uh, these social media companies giving a lot of those protections to Americans. It would be great if it extended to just all the users on their platforms. I expect what we're going to see is that they're really going to do a cost analysis. How much money are we losing by giving this privacy to people in Europe? And what are the little bits that we can pull back from Americans to keep making more money? I mean, that tends to be the driving force between all this. And I expect that's how we'll see it. So there will be some benefit to Americans,
2: maybe not all of it. Again, one of the things we've talked with Jen about in the past, and get your thoughts, Lyle, is the fact that companies like facebook and twitter who are global are obviously going to be dealing realistically right now with two sets of standards of how they approach things in europe compared to how things how they will be approaching things here in the united states how do they deal with that
1: with that with that quandary they mostly just do different standards in the different countries but i agree with jennifer it's, it makes it much easier to offer at least most of the european privacy options to americans and even potentially to default them in which would be again wonderful 844-942-7866 is the number to join in.
2: 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at bizradio111, B I Z Radio 111 or my Twitter account, which is at danloney21. Jennifer, I-, I wonder if we will see a continued uh, push to bring other Uh, executives from the social media industry, these platforms, in to have further discussions. Obviously, for, for Facebook, they were the ones that were making the news most recently. But, you know, could we see Jack Dorsey? Could we see some of these other executives making their way to Capitol Hill to get a better understanding of this for the people that would be potentially making these new rules?
0: I hope so. I mean, there are, um, you know, a population of legislators who are very interested in these privacy kinds of issues. And I think would love to hold some hearings to really figure out, you know, what kind of data is being collected, what do people know about, um, what are some ways that we could regulate this. And, and I think it's a useful conversation to have between legislators and executives, like what are the ways we can do this that are going to be most productive all around. Um, I'm not sure if it's going to happen though. You know, I think we got this with Facebook because it has been so in your face in the news. If we, you know, discover some malseasons or shocking things from other companies, then maybe, but I'd be surprised if this is the moment where we see that real push for privacy because it is kind of politically charged in a lot of ways. Um, you know, and I, and I don't think it's a liberal conservative issue, but it is kind of a Republican Democrat issue in like today's political climate. Um, so i I'd be a little surprised if if this became the moment for all of uh, Silicon Valley to start have to testify about this.
1: Wow. Fully agree. The one piece I could see going big is there's been a lot of evidence of Russian meddling in the elections. And I think there's a lot of Americans who are not very happy about being manipulated by foreign powers. That's the sort of thing that really could blow up big enough that Congress would be feeling that they needed to talk to people about what's going on. Again,
2: 844-942-7866 if you would like to join in with your comments or questions. We are joined here in studio by Lyle Unger of the University of Pennsylvania, Jennifer Goldbeck of the University of Maryland. Your thoughts on Facebook and where it is headed. It is interesting, though, Lyle, that we haven't heard stories yet uh, of large numbers of people getting away from Facebook, even in the wake of, of this uh, eighty seven million people potentially affected by this, but obviously that 's a small number in comparison to the to the two billion that they have uh, globally at this point. Uh, why do you think we haven 't seen more of that do Do people have that underlying
1: trust in Facebook that even though they made a mistake they 'll get it right? People mostly like using Facebook and the danger of losing their information to help do a tiny evil process is not enough to make most people leave. I think much bigger problems for Facebook are shifting among younger people to faster media, ones that are more secure. Think of Snapchat, where you really have explicit, this message will be out there for five minutes and it will vanish, or kick platforms people don't know if they're older, but like WhatsApp, but much more privacy controls. So I don't think current Facebook users who are old, like in their 20s and 30s, are going to run away. But I do think what you're starting to see is a lot of people in the teens are not flocking to Facebook. They're saying, why don't I use an app that's truly more private that neither the politicians nor my parents will be looking at? So I think the shift is going to be much slower. Jen?
0: Yeah, I agree with all of that. And I think, you know, on top of it, there's two big factors. One is that there's nowhere to go other than Facebook in that all of your friends are on Facebook, right? So, uh, you know, I, I would probably leave Facebook except for my job. Uh, there's only a few people that I'm friends with there, but you know, I look at how they interact. If you were to go to Google plus, if you were to go to any of the plethora of social media platforms that are out there and sometimes more fun to use than Facebook, there's nobody there. And that's the whole value of it. So that's part. Um, the other part is like, you kind of feel like there's nothing you can do, right? One thing we got out of Zuckerberg's testimony is that he admitted to the general public that, yeah, Facebook has profiles on people who don't even have Facebook accounts, yeah. right? So you can leave, but they're still going to have all your information. They're still going to know all this stuff. And in fact, even if you never joined, they still know all of this stuff about you. And so there is a little bit of a feeling of helplessness, like, well, they're going to get it no matter what. Even if I leave, they're going to have it. So I may as well at least get something out of it by being there.
2: How does that admission play into the, the, the positive or negative view of Facebook at this point, Lyle?
1: I think there's more and more negative view of Facebook and similar companies that they are sucking up all sorts of information and not being very forthcoming about it. But I agree with Jennifer that it's most people really want privacy, but they're willing to give it up very quickly when it allows them to talk to their friends or gives them slightly better security in terms of detecting who might have stolen their account. Yeah. So face privacy is awesome. But really easy to convince people to give up.
2: But as as we've mentioned, uh, Jennifer, in the past, when you look at at some of these social media platforms, obviously, Facebook is one thing. But Twitter, realistically, is something almost totally different. Uh, you know, we, we use Twitter here to promote the show and things that we're going to talk about on the show. But outside of that, I don't really use Twitter a whole lot at all. So, I mean, it, it's a much different kind of uh, layout that you have for those two.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a platform and I have a bunch of Twitter accounts that I use for different reasons. And it's a platform that I love, but it's so different than Facebook, um, where it really is kind of broadcast. And sure, you're doing some communication with friends, um, but it serves a different purpose. And, you know, I think that also explains why they have uh, different data on people and aren't facing the same kind of privacy criticisms You know, on one hand everything you do there is public or completely locked down, right? You don't have this very nuanced kind of privacy like you do on Facebook. And they also aren't targeting ads in the way that Facebook is. There are targeted advertisements, but not in the very detailed way that Facebook does. Um, You know, that may explain why they make less money, too. But they really approach the whole thing differently, which is not to say that they're perfect. um, But they are not the warehouse for, you know, everything I've done in my personal life, like Facebook is for a lot of people.
1: That's true for you and for me, but there are different communities, particularly younger African-Americans, say, who are using Twitter the way I would do texting. They're saying, hey, let's go down to the bar and meet. Mm. And it's public. Everyone could read it, but they're maybe even underage and saying, hey, let's meet at the bar, which someone is going to look at at some point and they will become older later and someone's not going to get a job because they tweeted something and there are going to be questions that will show up. So I think... It's not nearly Facebook's incredible breadth of information, but I think there's dangers there too. The other piece is that Twitter makes it really easy for anyone to set up thousands of accounts and start spamming. Yeah. And I think you'll see a lot more revelations that there's an embarrassing large number of Twitter accounts that are not run by humans, but in fact are bots with some agenda. 844-942-7866
2: with your comments or questions. 844-942-7866 in studio with Lyle Lunger of the University of Pennsylvania, Jennifer Goldbeck of the University of Maryland, uh, or you can send me a comment on Twitter at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. When, when Mark Zuckerberg also said during his testimony that malicious actors had scraped data from almost every Facebook user, 2 billion
1: people, that statement says what to you? Wow. It's a problem with Facebook's whole model. There's an intrinsic tension. They want it to be easy for you to find friends, to find other people. And in order to make it easy to locate people, say by searching by your phone number, they make it very easy for anybody to search by your phone number or any phone number. So I think they've had a certain obliviousness, maybe somewhat intentionally. To security reaches in order to make it easy to locate people Jennifer
0: I think that what Lyle just said intentional obliviousness is exactly right Uh, if we look at the news coming out last this last week where they said well you know we didn't really think about the way that these features could be abused like that's ridiculous and we should be very upset about that because smart people lots of smart people work at Facebook Someone raised this. It is the core question that I think I certainly ask with every platform I build, but everyone I know who builds software asks, How could this be abused? The fact that Facebook wasn't asking that, um, it's not that, gosh, no one even thought to ask how it could be abused. It's that they decided this is not something that we're going to consider, assuming that that's a true statement, right? They could have just considered it and decided they were going to let it happen anyway.
2: Right, because um, because that's a question we've we've talked about before Jennifer is the fact of, you know, as Mark Zuckerberg and obviously maybe not while he was sitting in his dorm room at Harvard thinking about privacy as well as, you know, this this communication entity, but you know, at some point you have to you have to have that that thought process And it's not just having it once and setting something in place and and leaving it there for the next 20 years. It's it's a constant process that you have to continue with.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this is a process that anyone who builds any kind of software thinks about is what are the ways that people could have used this? What are the ways they could try to hack this? Um, to use it in ways that we don't like, like that is part of the design process before you even build anything that Facebook really should have been doing at every step with every feature, both at the public uses and in their API, the thing that programmers use to get that data. Um, and the fact that they're saying that they didn't consider that, that that wasn't a factor really means that they intentionally didn't think about it, right? They decided this is not a thing that we're going to spend time thinking about. And that's really problematic. Does this, moment, shift that for them? I don't know. Um, I'm kind of shocked that that it's something that needs to be shifted in the first
1: place. I'm concerned that there's a fundamental business tension, that it's more profitable to be able to sell people's data to let people have access to them. So there's a strong incentive on their part to be a little bit lax on privacy. If that makes them more money, and only if there's pressure either from consumers or from government, which there now is, are they cranking back and saying, oops, better to make it a little bit harder for you to find more friends, make the site a little bit less sticky, do a little bit less encouraging 14- and 15 year olds to spend lots of time yeah. here, and we will shift a little bit way It's a little bit less profitable, but... Um, Less danger. But but the expectation,
2: though, is, is they're trying to reach out to those 14- and 15-year-olds because they will become the 22-, 23-, 24-, 25-year-old consumers post-college that are either dealing with a massive college debt or they're out in the workforce and they're looking for X, Y, and Z to buy. And so it's, it's just that process. And it, to a degree, it's scary that
1: it's starting earlier and earlier. But that's a fundamental tension. It's not just Facebook. All self-social media apps are designed to be sticky, to pull people in. They're not designed to make you happier, have better relationships. They're designed in the end to make money. We're in a capitalist society.
2: What do you expect, Jen, to to see play out here now with this issue moving forward and, and potentially any regulation that we may see?
0: So I think you know one thing we saw this week is that Facebook endorsed this um, Fair Ads Act, basically saying that they had to be transparent about who was paying for political and uh, issue-related ads. That's something that most of Silicon Valley had fought across, uh, fought against before. Facebook has now said they are supporting that. So I think that's something that is probably going to be the first piece of legislation that we see with this. Um, and I think. You know, that alone is going to be a great step forward in the political space of all the stuff that we've been seeing. Um, depending on how that goes, maybe we're going to see some more. But but I expect we'll see, as Lyle mentioned, these little incremental things, though that's a big one. Um, and, you know, I think it'll be a few years before we see any bigger privacy regulations, you know, be put forward that'll pass.
1: Fully agreed.
2: Great having you both with us today. Thank you, Lyle, for coming in today. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Jennifer, thank you for your time as well. Greatly appreciate it.
0: Thanks as always. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.